Let's kick. Welcome to the fifth episode of the Where You Stumble podcast. Today is February 26th at time of recording. I'm Matt, and I'm joined today by Emily and Frank. The episode is sponsored by roadrunnerwheels.com. If you're listening to this on Spotify, I encourage you to check out our YouTube channel, Where You Stumble. There you can watch all the episodes of this show, as well as a couple of the smaller interviews and clips. The interviews are only currently available on YouTube. That was good, man. Good, good, good. Cheers. Yeah. Cheerio. So what are we talking about today? Um, we wanted to talk about representation in media and I had like a few notes on like different avenues that could go. Yeah. So let's, let's go. Let's what, what, um, you know, for anyone that is just joining and listening, um, you know, what type of representation in media? I'm most interested in um, autistic representation media, but I think this, uh, I think most of the theory applies to other types of representation, like queer representation and representation of black people, brown people. And others that we, I'm sure, will come up as we go along with the talk. So good stuff. Let's, uh, so why do we have? Okay, I think I just found the. So this is mo mostly related to um, autism coded characters. What it means for a, a character to be autism co coded is that they're not explicitly written into the plot as being autistic, but the writers do put autistic traits on purpose in order to like, to give the feel that the character does have an autistic personality without saying the word up front so do you think um it's it's like baiting uh i think it can be but i think i think it depends on the purpose of the show and what the writers are intending do you have any um shows in particular that you have noticed this you know because i don't know if a lot of people you know a lot of the listeners could be aware of this or you know be paying attention to this but this may be new to some people mm -hmm. when they're even giving it any thought you know like any shows that i have a show in mind that i think it's it's done but um i'll wait to see because yeah, yeah. It, i think it is very new to a lot of people especially because most people in your generation just don't have a comprehensive understanding of what autism really is a lot of people think autism is only low functioning autism or quote unquote low functioning um, because Asperger's syndrome used to be an actual thing. And so a lot of people separate those two things. But now since they're included in, under one diagnosis, um, you know, the idea of autistic characters are, is a lot more broad, which that kind of brings up another issue that a lot of autism representation is only high functioning characters or characters that would be that would have been diagnosed as having Asperger's. What is um is and you know for me you you know I I'll need some some info on that. Like what 
um is asperger's what what uh is that like a, a diagnosis of of an uh autistic trait is it autism um yes so if you were diagnosed with asperger's in the past with the new updates i think the dsm-4 it was taken out of the dsm-4 so now you would have been now you would be considered as just being autistic now it's called autism spectrum disorder but Asperger's was a diagnosis that was characterized by like mild or so-called mild autistic traits. So things like sensory difficulties, social deficits. Um, and I think something to do with like what some people call savant syndrome, where a person with Asperger's would have like a very strong affinity in a very specific or very atypical skill set or topic. It's no longer recognized as a legitimate diagnosis in the DSM. I'm not completely sure about the ICD, I think it's called, but it was removed from the DSM because it was discovered, I think, in the 90s that Hans Asperger, the person who created this diagnosis and named it after himself, mm -hmm. it was discovered that he was a Nazi, not in party, but in affiliation. And he did a lot to um, distance himself from the Nazi party, but he was very, what's the word, allegiant to them. Got it. So yeah. you mentioned um, DSM-4 and, um, you know, again, for the those that don't know, DSM-4 is the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, fourth edition. Um, and it's a manual published by the American Psychiatric Association. Um, and it's about this thick. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's huge. And so then this Nazi affiliated guy, um, that, uh, coined this phrase, I guess, or they named it after him. Yeah. He named it after himself because he saw himself in his patients where that he thought he was like kind of like a genius in a very specific field and so he saw himself in his patients that were geniuses in their own very specific fields got it so any shows in particular i know we have to go back to that yeah um i mean there's so many some of the more popular ones are of course are like the good doctor and atypical they have explicitly autistic characters. In The Good Doctor, Sean Murphy is autistic and he is a medical doctor. I think he's a surgeon. And in Atypical, Sam Gardner, the main character, is autistic and he's a high school student. Other shows like Anne with an E, um, she is written as autism coded. I'm not sure if they purposefully did that or if it just came off that way. I've actually been interested in doing more research on like the origin of her character. And there's a show called Abbott Elementary and one of the teachers is autism coded, but for some reason, all of the other characters slip my mind. There's also like, um, who was it? Steven Chbosky had that book, Perks of Being a Wallflower, where the main oh, character yeah. really rings of yeah. being autism spectrum disordered. Um, just the whole like 
constant input, constantly kind of trying to respond to the environment, but unable to take in all the stimulus. Um, very sensitive, very insightful, but also like unable to communicate everything that's coming in. Um, I think that's one of the things that's kind of weird with representation in media is that there's always like it, depending on what you're watching, there always seems to be like one facet that's focused on, like with the good yeah. doctor, he's the savant. And it's just like, he's, they have to like highlight how socially inept he is mm-hmm. throughout it. And that's like the only way you can make him visibly autistic is if he doesn't know how to read social cues, which is like, that's not always the case. It's just what ends up being easy for people to find or relate to, I guess. I haven't watched these shows, but they, so do they ever mention it? Or do they? It's pretty over in The Good Doctor. It's very, yeah. The Good Doctor is, this is an autistic doctor. And it's very much like, even though he's autistic, poor him. Look at what these, look at all these amazing things he's capable of doing. It's very much framed in that way. Mm. (laughs) I can't believe I forgot this. Abid Nadir in Community. You have watched that show, Dad. Yeah. He was written to be autistic. I know in the first episode, I remember. Yeah. When Jeff says, and you have Asperger's. Yeah. Yeah. But his, I think his character is one of the best types of representation. It was written by an autistic person. And you never feel bad for him. He's never made to feel like he's less than his friends. And he has interests and he has a personality and he's not like incapable he's not infantilized yeah and yeah he's respected mm-hmm. yeah i like that character i i i recently just re-watched community the entire uh run and you know they're making a movie of of community yeah, yeah. so what six was seasons it? In six, a six seasons in a movie i think one of the big things and that it kind of covers to the point you're making there, Emily, where it's like uh, he's the character is written by someone with autism. It's, it's kind of like more realistic to a degree. The, the big problem I always find with representation, regardless of if it's for a mental disorder or for a race or for anything is the idea that you need to revolve the character around that thing. And it becomes more of like tokenism. Like, it, yeah. Like if you have a, uh, like any cultural representations, you always seem to have like they're bringing a food dish in for mm-hmm. a cultural awareness day on the show or something. And or they have like their crazy grandma that's really stuck in, you know, their culture and tries to highlight how they behave. I think it's more important that the character be normalized and treated more kind of like what you see on community where it's they're a member of the group and it's kind of like it's relatable for people that do come from that culture or do have that this you know uh what would be that neurodivergency mm-hmm. sorry i'm trying to like get the terminology right but um where whereas like it immediately feels like tokenism when you have something that's just out there for the sake of being out there. Like you're just trying to get brownie points and to bait people for it. I think that's a good point you make about like 
they have to bring in a dish on a a day that's like devoted to devoted to being uh diverse where it's like that diversity exists whether or not you're recognizing it that day and i think that's a problem with we've gotten so used to like here we have a week dedicated to looking at this thing but it's like that thing still exists the next week or the week before that you know and it's like i think those things happen like even in like corporate america that happens because at some point in the past it was created and it was just handed down manager to manager and you know they got a new manager and and that new manager was trained to be like yes we have a weekly pizza party and in that party we recognize all our diverse employees but only for only at the mm-hmm. pizza party like and then <laughs> they go back to work and they don't no one talks back to normal to, yeah no one talks right. to them while they're unless they're at the pizza party and it's um the you know i say it that way because that's how society is running it's like things that were created in the past they just keep getting handed down and no one revisits them i not no one but you know people question them and they want to change them but they don't um but nothing really happens you know like why do we have black history month you know they can't teach it every other month they yeah. can only teach it i mean it, it, it they have to make sense they have to prove that they're observing black history by teaching it one month but honestly they don't really teach it in that month either no i i saw and it, this wasn't for black history i think it was like hispanic heritage and it was um i think it, it was a post online where there was a supermarket that had like hispanic heritage month uh, there was that shelf in the supermarket aisle and it was so so fucked up they were like they had like a bottle of fabuloso and like beans oh, and taco no. shells like no this is yeah. you know it's ridiculous it's it's you know that's not representation that is not <laughs> they've come full circle you familiar with horseshoe theory they've tried so hard to represent us that they've just reduced us to stereotypes once again yeah a fucking bottle of fabuloso They, did they put Vicks Vaporub on the list, or was that left out? <laughs> maybe, they should have. We're gonna have to look it up, but maybe they did. Um, yeah, it was terrible. Um, you know, I it always gonna... makes it difficult for me. Like, I think sci-fi is one thing where it always makes me smile when you have characters that are in sci-fi because it feels like sci-fi never gets it wrong when they're trying to do representation because the characters are just there and any like semblance of divergence from the cultural norm in sci-fi is just glossed over like no one even cares it's not mentioned there's no highlighting it there's no like oh i've never heard of that before oh that's so new you're so different like it it's just completely assimilated and like if someone's eating a burrito next to someone eating a slice of pizza or eating a pasta dish or eating a bowl of fried rice or whatever the hell it is no one cares like it's not <laughs> it's not a yeah, big deal right so so i'm gonna um try to show this 
it's going to go over one of your screens, but I'm going to try to show this so you can see that I wasn't, I wasn't kidding. Celebrate Hispanic Heritage Month. And there it is. They got Lay's and um, I don't know, like Mexican drinks and Doritos. At the they bottom. couldn't even put Bustelo on the shelf. They have Nescafe. Like, <laughs> they didn't even get it right. Like, if you're going to be racist, at least be racist and accurate. Like... At the bottom of the screen, it had the, the Fabuloso and some, and I'm trying to show it, but let's see if I can show it right here. Look, it's freaking terrible, man. Is, is, uh, so yeah. Um, there was an attempt. That's what. Yeah, is that an attempt though, Frank? No, no, there it's, was it's an, attempt. an attempt. It's an attempt, but it's a failed attempt. It was on yeah. Reddit. Yeah. You know the subreddit, right? There was an attempt. So there was an attempt. It's terrible. Um going back to like Asperger's and and um I, I asked Chat GPT about is the character of Larry David in Curb Your Enthusiasm? autistic because we you know we 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 think he we is. talk about this all the time yeah think i he think is. he is and um i'll read just some of what it said the character of larry david in curb your enthusiasm has not been explicitly stated to have autism or, or asperger's although some viewers and critics have speculated that he may display some traits or behaviors associated with these conditions Larry David's character is known for his social awkwardness, difficulty reading social cues, and tendency to engage in repetitive and or obsessive behaviors. He often fixates on small details or so or social norms that others might overlook and may struggle to understand social rules and conventions. Chat GPT. Yeah. But we actually think that that yeah, that the character uh so that show Curb Your Enthusiasm is very similar in style to a show called Please Like Me, which is written by an Australian comedian, uh, Josh Thomas. Like the same premise, you know, like a, just a guy, he's, he's younger, so it's framed more as he's a little naive and he's figuring himself out, coming of age type. But he has that same sort of like social aloofness. So very similar style and Josh Thomas is himself autistic, so. Mm -hmm. You know, I kind of put those two together. It's a very similar style, similar type of comedy. Yeah, I watched uh, Please Like Me. You introduced me to it. It was pretty good. I liked it. And he had another On show. that note. Mm -hmm. Go ahead, Frank. Sorry. I, no, just I was just mentioning he has another show that you. That you... Called Everything's Gonna Be Okay. Yeah. In that show, his character, because he plays his main character in both of his shows. In that, In the second show. His character actually discovers that he's autistic. Mild spoiler. Sorry. Oof. 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 <laughs> Bleep that out if you really have to put a. Yeah, I'm gonna have a, to. A spoiler alert. <laughs> but you're saying, Matt? I was gonna say. I think maybe the difference with tokenism when it comes to representation is the sort of things that you can't remove from the character, like the unconscious features of that disorder or that you know neurodivergency that culture whatever it might be um like there is <laughs> like my mom has this thing with stuff being free what do you like, mean? like free you've stuff? met my you know my mother for quite a long time like but like nothing's ever stuff. really free yeah mm -hmm. 
So like that, that fear of something, like when it's too good to be true, it is just too good. Like there's something wrong. Yeah. There's always that like skepticism to things, um, which is funny because I feel like Dominican culture is very, very superstitious at times, but then very skeptical about things when it's, can. I guess out of, I'm not sure what the like break is there. It'd be fun to like figure that out, but there is a very strange dose of skepticism involved when it comes to like business decisions or financial things. And like, that's something that you could, you could do an entire show, but if you were to actually have a Hispanic character where the skepticism shows, that would be enough that people were like, I think this guy might be Dominican. Like, I think, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like there's, there's those little things with like Larry David, it's not explicitly stated, but anyone who is neurodivergent on the on ASD would be like, "Oh, this guy, like, yeah, you really, yeah, I told, yeah." I I like to um say occasionally that I have my Larry David moment, and I had one just the other day. I went to um, I was picking up a car, a rental, um, and I and we got this tiny little piece of shit car. Uh, so I asked the girl if she can upgrade it and she, uh, she's like, yeah, we can get this SUV. It's a hundred, it's, it's only $108 more. So I was like, okay, that's good. Um, she does all the stuff and it turns out that it was $108 more per day. So it turns out that's a very big difference. Yes. That's not so I immediately was like, no, let's go take the, I'll take the piece of shit car. I'm only driving around town. Uh, piece of shit because it's tiny. It's like a shoe. Um, and it just doesn't feel safe. At least right. to, to go on long road trips. Um, you know, but I told her like, hey, you know, you should be clear. Don't make the assumption that the person knows that you meant $108 per day. Um, You know, the bill ended up being double. I didn't take the, the, the SUV. Um, And then I apologized because I I felt like I was a little like um, brash in my delivery, but it was just because it was one of those things in that moment um, where I know Larry David would have been very clear about this. It's like, absolutely. Oh, like, let me just be clear. It's, you have to mention that it's $108 per day. So that was my Larry David moment this week. Did I lose you guys there for a second? We lost your video, but we did. Yeah, we lost your video, but okay. that's fine. Yep. Is it back? It's working okay now, though. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay. It's whenever. I don't know why everyone decides to call when we're doing the podcast. Always, like without fail, they want to be on. And be... No, that was actually that was the friend that I told you that was like, no, I don't, I don't know that I could do that. I don't know if I want to be immortalized on the internet. I was like, yes, for you, when you know when you God could, comes along and watches the internet 
to figure out what you did right or wrong. Yeah, you could be immortalized on the internet for some pretty shitty things. This is a good thing. I agree. So he would be okay. But yeah, going back to representation, uh, I just don't like cheap writing. Yes, don't I do agree. It. It's got to be genuine and do it, done for the right purposes and done with care. Yeah, don't I don't like that lazy writing. So on that note, here's the thing: I'm always I I feel bad because I always turn things political, but for me. Every time that you have a character making a major political point called a revolution, like one that stands out to me, like recently two big shows in the last 10 years were Mr. Robot and Homeland, where mm-hmm. both characters are making very valid political points, trying to stand out. They both end up having to reveal that they're like borderline personality disorder or bipolar in some way. And like, oh, well, they're, they were making good points, but they're actually they're suffering. That's why that's why they're making now these it's suddenly illegitimized. There's, yeah, yeah. With Mister Robot, but then it's also it connects. Like, sorry, Frank. I just want to finish this point. Like, it makes it so that we're getting some sort of representation of a mental disorder or some sort of neurodivergency, but it's connected to people that are trying to make valid arguments which works both ways because it makes people who are suffering through anything or that are untreated in some way seem like they need help. But it also makes people that are trying to make a statement completely invalidated and register as needing serious help instead. So it's this weird, like double edged sword that they use on it. I think with Mr. Robot, they, that wasn't lazy writing at all. I think, um, concessions get made right they're like we have to do it one way or the other and they end up you know i think from a certain lens it also shows that people who are marginalized or like slightly more oppressed than their peers those are the people that are fighting because if you already fit the mold close enough i don't think anybody truly conforms but if you find it easy to conform you're not really fighting to break that you know, but if it's if you find it really hard to make it by because you're suffering through anything or, you know, it's hard to get up in the morning or it's hard to you just be emo- emotionally stable. You're, I think you're more likely to try to challenge whatever system is putting you in that place. On the topic of autism, do you think and I know this, how, how would we answer this? You know, this is but do you think the general public doesn't understand autism? No, oh, Absolutely. I think just the past five years, not even like past three years, we've seen like great breakthroughs with our understanding of autism because autistic people have become more vocal online. But prior to that, we were very much silent by organizations like Autism Speaks and doctors who are clinging a little too hard to their understanding of autism who haven't been very open-minded to tweaking their understanding of autism with new information that comes in. So we have like, we have amazing doctors who have like laid the foundation for, for that have like changed previous 
uh, conceptions of autism, but now they're not open to having their foundations being tweaked and changed for the modern understanding of autism, which sucks because the people who are driving this this change are autistic people themselves. So it's it sucks to be silenced, but I think it's changed just within the past few years. And honestly, most people don't know autistic people that closely. They don't like not a lot of people have autistic friends. So I really don't think I don't think the average person really knows what autism is. How could they um, learn more about autism? I mean, are they going to go somewhere to learn? You know, people go to websites and and buy, you know, books and, mm -hmm. and, you know, reference material if they want to. But how do we? Yeah, I was going to say, like, you would have to first assume that you don't know what autism is. But most people have grown up with this idea of autism, especially like the dichotomy between Asperger's and autism. They've grown up with that because that was so prevalent throughout the 80s and 90s. But I think the best way to learn about what autism is, is to be friends with an actually autistic person. Or if you just don't know an autistic person, follow some autistic people on social media because there are so many content creators and it's such a diverse community and everybody is really open-minded. And every, nobody believes the same thing. It is not a monolith. So it really is. Yeah. You learn about autism just by being friends with autistic people. It's also a lot of the traits aren't mutually, they're not mutually exclusive. So it's not like yeah. you're going to have someone who is fixated and someone who is a savant in some way that, mm -hmm. that's, you'll have all variations. I think not that it is a disease, but one of the better ways to think of it for me and helping people understand it is it's similar to like any other condition someone else might be living with. You're not going to have like, not everyone is going to react the same way to every single medical diagnosis that they have. Like mm -hmm. people could have the literally the exact same neurodivergency, the exact same illness, the exact same anything, and they'll have completely different characteristics of that. Yep. The problem I... is nuance. Most people don't seem to understand yeah. nuance and live thing, you know, day by day, uh, black and white. It's either you, you're this or you're that. You know, you're left or you're right, you're up or you're down. And understanding nuance, especially in conditions, um, would help people go a long way. Yep. Understanding. In the same, yeah. Oh, go in on. the same way that two autistic people can both be actually autistic and have completely different array of traits, uh, I think it's important to also recognize that traits that are classified as autistic are usually not exclusive to autistic people like autistic people and holistic people holistic means not autistic i can get into the etymology but autistic people and holistic people have a lot more in common than they might think it makes it really hard to sometimes it makes it hard for people to recognize someone as autistic because you might relate to that person and then you know they get shameful that they might actually be autistic but the truth is like you know these traits aren't exclusive to autistic people otherwise we might just be a different species and we're not yeah so you know i wanted to go back to um just to for anyone that is listening you know the the name of the podcast is where you stumble and 
certainly we all do. Um, and you know, anyone that is, um, autistic, I feel that in their stumbles, they may not be able to, you know, to voice how they feel or, or, um, be able to express, you know, the, the things, um, that they want to say. And, you know, I want to make, you know, to sort of let it be known that, um, you know, if anyone did want to, to join us on a call, you know, to express how they feel to, you know, to contact us and it's an email, um, at the screen source at gmail.com. That's the production company, right? So, um, they can just to be able to, you know, to give us their point of view as well. Right. Because we're talking about it, but, and we're talking about representation, but you know, what we can only represent, represent these three minds here. Exactly. What better yeah. way to represent um, than to have someone join us? So if someone, you know, I just wanted to take that moment to see to to invite anyone that did want to join us on another podcast, um, contact us, leave us a comment on YouTube, um, and uh, you know, you can be on. We'll we'll, we'll bring you on. Circling back, if we could, just to like the idea of media representation, uh, one extreme example that I don't think many people caught, but just in having more knowledge on the subject, it's kind of cool to recognize it, is, uh, I don't know if you guys had watched the Netflix Daredevil, that yeah, they did those yeah. three seasons. Of course. So in the Netflix Daredevil, the kingpin that they have, Vincent D'Onofrio, played kingpin as if he were an autistic villain and it's never outright stated but if you know the ticks it's all there like there's little moments where his speech sort of like stutters and hits moments of like momentum that he that's awesome kind of gets hot on his words and gets into like little like flusters but the biggest thing, and this was something my mother had actually pointed out to me when we were watching it, is she was like, his fingers, when he's talking, he keeps doing like little, and even when his hand's at his side, like you can't see off camera, but his hand will be at his side and you see the like, the little like adjustments he's making as he mm -hmm. speaks to like work through the sentence. And Vincent D'Onofrio's not autistic. Wow. So it's kind of incredible that like yeah. he actually gave it the due diligence and dove into the role so well. He's an but that's like actor. a moment. Right. He is an amazing actor. So it's totally kind of like, I think that. too. Yeah. It's, if you go it. back and watch it, it, Mary was the one that had pointed it out. She was like, his hand is doing that thing. And I was like, <laughs> that's. Yeah that's nuts that's yeah, like I that never twitching would have and the, the finger tapping that's one example of self-stimulatory behavior sometimes called stimming but stimming is just any type of behavior that you do for self-regulatory purposes or just because you prefer it and yeah tapping fingers is a very common one yeah and in the show he he pulls it off and it's it's it looks natural like it's actually seeing him perform it for a bit, we were like convinced that maybe he was on the spectrum, but there's nothing that points to it. There's no, in other performances he's done, he doesn't do it. Um, 
So it's kind of like, it's weird to see that and to see that it goes, that's to me, that's like the best form of, even though it's a villain, like it doesn't matter, like let it be a villain, let it be, yeah, a, who yeah. cares? Like, I don't care what spec, the same what people are allowed to be evil. <laughs> right. Like it's okay that they are in a weird way. That's actually representation. Cause it's mm -hmm. like, you could have someone that suffers these experiences and becomes the villain. Totally a viable explanation. Like it was just, it's one of those, I couldn't remember what the actor's name was. I just remembered Kingpin from Daredevil. So I wanted to search it and get it right. But that's, that's one that really stood out to me. And Vincent D'Onofrio is an amazing, I'm going to say it again, is an amazing actor. Yeah. I mean, um, have you, he, he was in uh, Men in Black. And he, he was also he on the TV show, it says. He, it was the TV show on Netflix. He had the Men in Black TV show. No, oh. but like Men in Black, like the animated series. Apparently he did the voicing of his character on that as well. Yeah. Um, another movie that he was in that was crazy was Full Metal Jacket. Which if you haven't. Private it, Pile. Yeah. It's uh, oof. yeah. I'll leave it at that because you know that movie came out in '87. There's a lot of uh people that have not watched it. Maybe Emily. I don't know if you've. I don't think so. Yeah, so put that on your list. Kubrick is one to watch in general. Kubrick, is, Stanley yeah. Kubrick is just yeah. pretty much all of. I mean, it's the same. Um, I mean, he also in... did The Shining. Kubrick is uh one of those directors that you know you study in school. So, but yeah, you uh, mentioned that this character had a, a stuttering type of speech pattern, and that reminds me, me, me and my friend were talking about this a few days ago, or maybe a couple of weeks ago at this point. She's writing a character that's somewhat based on herself, and when she handed over her manuscripts to her sister to read, her sister asked if the character was autistic, and that surprised her. But I. I had guessed that my friend was autistic within months of meeting her, but we just don't talk about it because it's usually not relevant. Anyways, she asked me um, what I usually use to identify a character as autistic in books, in other media. We've talked about a lot of the traits in like movies and TV, but in books, it's very different some of the times because you don't often, <clears throat> you don't often describe a character tapping his fingers unless it's like, directly relevant to the to the plot but like right. in daredevil his finger tapping wasn't relevant it was just a thing that he did but in books characters are often described as like their halting speech patterns will be relevant because that's something that you actually read um, a lot of characters in books are like described as loners or having some like indescribable wisdom about the human condition <laughs> when that comes to mind is Tom Hamilton in East of Eden, which is like my favorite book. But Tom Hamilton is also somewhat queer coded, I think, because he could never like figure out uh, how to have a relationship with a woman. But it's mm -hmm. interesting because a lot of autistic people are asexual too. So I think it could go either way. I think it's also like, I can say for myself, there's that weird sort of like the the like blended uh intimacy 
where it's like it becomes difficult to like parse out the two where like you'll get close to a person and then it's like oh i i'm really enjoying this like this is really nice and comfortable and it's like but i don't like dudes do i oh wait maybe i do do i i don't know if i do and then it's like but i've only ever liked girls and then it it kind of messes with your head a little bit but it's always kind of funny to me that's still one thing that like my fiance and I like people don't believe that I've dated dudes and it's like because that's not a thing about me like it's not it shouldn't be anything that you can it's yeah. not an you can't you can't swap a person. person as yeah right like I think that's a funny thing that it in in the actual like goal of representation I think that's kind of an important part of it where I can't remember what show it was recently on Netflix that had, um, I think it was Umbrella Academy. I love where that, show. Um, that was a really good one. There was the like one yeah. of the younger brothers, the Klaus. one that uh, can see the dead. Yes, I know because that's um, what's his name. I'm sorry, Matt. Uh, that's this. What's his name? Nathan from uh, Misfits. I can't remember his <sighs> name now. Mm -hmm. And that's the that's British like, Misfits, not the Americanized one. Yeah. I can't remember the name now. But yeah, where he's like up until that point in the show, like there's, I don't want to spoil anything, but there is a moment where you realize he is, he's not heterosexual, like he's gay, but it's so well executed and so heartfelt that you're just kind of like, oh, okay never mind i'm like the way mm -hmm. he reacts in that moment is so masculine that it's almost like you're it's it's a fantastic moment that's actually i guess a good way of looking at it too is representation in media should not detract from that individual's humanity to the to the point of like i think that's a big thing of it it's uh, Robert Sheehan because I have to say it right. I, I couldn't um, go without looking it up. I forgot his name, which is crazy because Robert Sheehan. Um, Robert Sheehan. One thing about Umbrella Academy that was amazing was um, Elliot Page and the way that um, the 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 most recent season just was like okay you're my bro like the way that it was done yeah. was perfect it was at at least i i think it was very well executed and um kudos to umbrella academy i can't wait for the last the, the i think it's the the last and final seasons coming out soon but they did it i think that you're touching on it there kind of made me think of it it's almost like and this is the same for like anyone who has a relative or loved one that's come out to them before. I think queer baiting is a big problem in recent media. Oh, where yeah. like characters yeah, we... will be coded and it's like just for the hell of it or it's very overt and just done in poor taste. Yeah, we talk about that all the time because we see it. We see it in uh and obviously that's misrepresentation because that's not um the way it's supposed to be agreed 
I think one of the bigger things is similar to like how when you handle it well within your family or with your friend group, where it's just kind of like, okay, that's a thing about you. Whatever. Inconsequential. Like, right. Right. Like it it doesn't affect who that person is to you or I, shouldn't, I should say. Yes. So that there being a father of of um what, queer kids? Yeah, you could say that. Yeah. Um it is inconsequential, but it, other people don't seem to understand that, right? Like, you you must understand that it is inconsequential. It doesn't matter. It's not what makes a person, you know, that's not yeah. what defines a person. Yeah, gender way. is so personal. It's like, it's like only one aspect of your personality, if it's even an aspect of your personality. It's, it doesn't interact with people either and your sexuality it's really only interacting with your partner so yeah, why should that, you care why should your parent care you're not dating your parent or hopefully. partners or yeah, partners, partners yeah. if people have them like yeah i mean it, it again it is inconsequential it, it it is not what defines a person their purpose their reason for being here it is it's something about them but it's not the whole of them so I think that's something people really need to get over their their way of thinking and and their you know ego about you know parent child relationships and and you know I'm the boss you're not like this is all BS right like we don't own our kids we don't own them we we the same way that when we look at our parents right it's like okay you you know you took care of me. I grew up. I went on my way and I became independent and I built my life and I did what I have to do. We have to look at them the same way. It's, I mean, it, it's so weird to see that as a person that obviously we were all born and then some of us have kids and some people can't seem to make that, that, um, that that this like they can't seem to see themselves like dude you you were dying to leave your parents house but then you can't understand that maybe your kids are dying to leave your house yep it's so weird to me i just i i don't understand how people i i don't know i think it's ego yeah so I would love to interview some parents who think they fall into that group and try to get to know their their reasoning. Yeah, I mean, I don't understand it. I would love to understand it um, because I think that uh, and you know, I read a book the uh, that helped me with with just you know when you read a lot, you you try to seek some truths, um, and it was the um, the self driven child. And that book, um, which is a good book, uh, I forgot the name of the author. Emily, you might know it because yeah, well, one one of them is one of them is William Stixred, and the other one is Ned something. Yeah, Ned Johnson and William yes. Stixred, PhD. So that book helped me a lot. You know, if anyone wants to read it, I'm sure you could check it out on Amazon. Call to action, though, if you are a parent that thinks you that think you fit into that, that you 
this disconnect between how you view your parents and how you view your children, like reach out because I actually would love to get to know your process. Yeah, I'm going to say that in a different way. How you view your parents and how your ch children view you. Right. Yeah, I guess. I didn't no, want to say it like that because they could never know how their children view them. They could only know or, how they... Or how they think their children view yeah. them. So I want to say it that way because I'm a parent, right? And I'm also a son. And I I really try to to um to understand your point of view and how it aligns with my point of view with my parents. Sit. It would be good to have anyone on. So that's again the screen source at gmail.com, Frank. Yep. If we could have any anyone that's listening, if they want to reach out to us and wanted to hop on for an interview, do an episode, and cover that with us, yeah, we'd we'd love to have you. Or comment, and you know, in the comment section of this podcast on uh, on YouTube, and um, yeah, we would love to have uh, have you. And we can do a uh, also um the individual interviews that we haven't done um we've been busy with a bunch of stuff but we haven't done individual interviews if you would like to do an individual interview um same contact us send us a message on or comment in the uh comment section and we'll reach out All right, that was a nice moment of silence there. <laughs> I'm looking through my notes to see if we have if we haven't like touched on something. I mean, are there other types of we've talked a lot about like autism specifically, but are there other types of representation that you think can even is it possible for other types of representation to go under the radar the way sometimes characters aren't explicitly named as autistic or is there type of types of representation that I mean, like other types of representation that you feel is a some distinction between good and bad representation and how you think writers can do better? Yeah, I mean, we've seen like the hot Latina that's like has the spunky personality, that tropey crap. Yeah, that right. Like she the does. Sofia Vergara character. Bingo. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know. That's that was good for uh, Modern Family, and she was great. But every character can't be that, right? Right. You know, it's that's that's where it hits that like tokenism, where it's just mm -hmm. now we're now we're just doing a parody at this point. But like I will say, it as far as popular media goes, at least we're away from like I know I had mentioned this when we had brought up in the chat. I think. Like we we would never let breakfast at Tiffany's happen today. Like you couldn't have that sort of a character. Like you're a talking caricature. about yes. You're talking about um. Oh, Mickey the landlord. Ro Mickey Rooney's uh, interpretation. Mickey Rooney. And we, you know, obviously, we're gonna not go deep into that because it was a weird time it was a totally different time i like mickey rooney he was a great actor um so yeah that cannot fly right that cannot fly yeah 
not not I these days yeah one thing written down i was monologuing to myself about like this low tier type of representation where it's like relying strictly on archetypes i'm thinking it's it's almost forgivable for some types of shows to to depict autism or depict anything as super one dimensional not just because it's like we should just let it happen but because they're relying on archetypes for every other character too i think the only damage that comes from that is viewers that assume that that representation makes them an expert on whatever category they're trying to represent and so now that for someone who has never met an autistic person before if your only exposure to it is the show atypical you have not scratched the surface of what autism is really like and it's probably not the best kind of representation anyways i think you make a good point though i don't think we should use um television especially like tv shows to give us the facts of of these things it's merely an introduction to it an awareness to it but they're not the the source of the you know of the expert um you know the expert outlook or view you know that should not be don't use television as your source of of truth i think there's also a weird sort of a like when it comes to representation i wonder if some future society won't look back on our media and be completely confused by a lot of it because a lot of the cultural context that's just tribal knowledge for us will be completely alien and just not even be a thing anymore like not to bring up sci-fi again but like when we watch sci-fi like uh i know i brought this up on one of the past episodes altered carbon one of the characters uh is japanese and i want to say like slavic of some kind he's uh his name's takeshi kovach so he's japan half japanese and half some middle european um and it's just like it's not a major point of the story that that's who his character is because it's so far in the future that cultures have melded to that point um I wonder when we'll reach that point where we'll look back on media like we have today and people will be like, people were just from one continent? <laughs> like, that's insane. Like, how primitive were they? What was wrong? Didn't the planes work? Like, was was no one concerned about strengthening their lineage? Like, they just wanted to sit in the same gene pool? What is this? Like, it doesn't make any sense. But it is something that with representation there's a certain context and it's almost like getting representation right means getting the context right as well and if yeah. representation is wrong then the cultural context is also wrong like by def i think those two are mutually exclusive things you couldn't possibly get like proper context with poor representation and it's kind of like in a weird way when we have media that does represent things properly, it's almost a perfect record for future societies, for future civilization that we can look back on and say, like, this is a prime example of what it was like to be that individual in that time period. 
Yeah, you're right. We're um we're one hour in, which is pretty good. Went by fast. Um, yep. uh, you know, um, I think we touched on a, 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 a you know a few good topics within representation, and you know we can talk about others, and you know we can certainly continue to talk about that in another episode if if someone wants to you know that has some experience with it has experienced some some um you know prejudice and can you know can talk to us about it i think that'll be good i think it also helped that emily did a decent chunk of research and had a lot to bring to the table on it to kind of like get the conversation flowing there and kind of keep us on track with a lot. Yeah. So cheers to you for that. I appreciate you. Of course. I got nothing but free time, so I can always get some, a good chunk of notes. Yeah. For me, for me, it was tough because of, um, because I, you know, I was working with AJ and um, while I wasn't working, I was just there sitting around watching, but we didn't get home till 5 a.m. Um, from the suit, you know, from the filming. So it was, uh, it was tough. I, I didn't get too many hours of sleep, so I didn't, I couldn't, um, do as much research as I wanted to. Um, but thank you, Emily, you, you, of course. you, you bring it, bring the knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, again, we can take this time to, you know, to invite anyone that wants to be on the podcast or wants to do a um, on one-on-one interview, we're also going to have um, a two-chair interview. And that similar to, you know, just to like um, David Letterman, just a more light interview. Um, anyone that has a story that they want to talk about, about, you know, maybe when they they stumbled, but also showed what they did to to overcome it, or to make changes, or to you know to move forward in in um you know in a more positive in a more positive way. So we'll have those you know those slots available if you guys want to join us. Again, you know, contact us by email at the screen source at gmail and also, you know, like and comment. Anyone that knows us that can contact, that, you know, can contact us direct, you can certainly contact me directly or Emily or, or Matt if you, you know, any of our friends. We invite, we invite anyone, friends or family, um, because this is for everyone. This is for all of us to, you know, to learn new things, to learn more about ourselves and others. And again, I'd invite you guys to, you know, contact us and join us. I got a lot of good feedback from people, which makes me feel good. Um, you know, we're just here talking, but the fact that I get a lot of um, messages with good feedback, I've gotten messages like, hey, man, I've learned things. That's enough for me, you know? Um yeah. Anyone that tells me I've learned something since I'm genuinely trying to learn things myself, that makes me feel mm-hmm. good. I think 
I did. I think we did our job. Um, On that note, I would like to see like what exactly people have learned. So leave a comment. Like, like tell me what you learned. I want to know what do people not know about. What do people want to know about more? And I can try to do more research on those things so that we can focus in on those things that don't get enough airtime. Yeah, that's an awesome point. Hundred percent. But yeah, so I get a lot of messages and um, we haven't gone further beyond the message just because I think I've been busy. Um, but that's a perfect question, right? Like, what did you learn? What did you not know before you listened to the podcast? And um, I love it. I, I love that that people are are learning and are listening. Um, we love the support. We love that, that we're getting listeners. And, and again, this is just regular real life human stuff, nothing special, nothing outside of what we all go through. We may all, we may go through different things, but we're all going through things. There's always something. Um, and even the ones you think are are good and they have a perfect life, it's not true. Nobody has a perfect life. Nobody. Um, yeah, so, you know, I, 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 I say these things because I really want to make that message clear. Like... No one has a perfect life. Everyone has something that they deal with, whether it's something, you know, mental or just something in your head or you overthink things or you're in a bad relationship or, or a terrible relationship or a good relationship that has some bumps and bruises, right? Some little bumps in the road, just normal human stuff. And I'll make it clear again. It's, we're not perfect and we all have things that we go through um you know you, you know if, if you don't have the courage hopefully you can get get the courage to join us and and maybe you know some of these conversations that we have do help someone and the cat simon's joining us a cameo <laughs> appearance by simon yeah <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> He's just look, plucking away at the chair so that I'll pay some attention to him. So show, show he's got to show him. I want to, you're going to, you, you look like Don Corleone uh, in the Godfather in the opening scene where he's just, <laughs> he doesn't really like being held this way, but he's so, got very blue eyes. He's a handsome little guy. Yeah, that's uh, Marlon Brando in the Godfather <laughs> opening scene where he's got his he's, cat. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we're we're a minute we're one ten in. We can talk about whatever we want. It doesn't matter. Um, we can end it or we can continue to talk. We'll and you know, this portion of the the episode is you know again we're just regular people, so we could talk about yep. whatever we want and. You know, um, let's go.
Let's go. Let's go. I was going to say, so we had uh, 84 views on Nihilism Video Games ADHD and 83 views on AJ guest starring. Yes. Which, pretty dope. Yeah. And we're just getting started. We're a brand new channel. Brand new. Heck yeah, man. Um, there's no clickbait, right? There's no weird um, keywords. It's all real. Just, yeah. We're trying to. to True grassroots. Yeah. To be as um, as real as possible because I don't want I don't want the fake. I don't want the fake stuff. So um, we actually got a lot of um, streams on Spotify and the podcast. So that's pretty cool. I I really appreciate um, that we're also getting listeners on Spotify. You know, we like the support um, and, you know, share it with your friends. If And again, contact us if you want to be part of it and be on an episode.